This will not make the podcast. Ooh, greatest play in Jacksonville history. Put me on layaway. All these guys are very young. I believe in miracles. Man, he's just laying the wood on these guys. <laughs> Ramen noodle night every single night. St. John's County. Just total chaos. Parks and trails local to Jacksonville. I need the Biloxi schedule now. I'll just stay here in Jacksonville. Fan love. I don't know what she was thinking. La Roja. Oh, no. The VAR again. Welcome back to Going Into the Weeds podcast, Dead Goods for Sporting Podcast Production. I'm Andrew Jupe, alongside Trent Young. Trent coming from our Jacksonville Shedside Studios. Back in action, man, and we've gone one more round forward in the FIFA Women's World Cup. And man, no shortage of action, my man. Things are really starting to turn up. Some excellent matches here in this last round going into the quarterfinals and uh, now onto the semis. Coming into the podcast, we talked about the quarterfinals for the most part. The first team to get through, of course, was England beating Norway, taking care of business. So we were waiting on their opponent, Trent. The two big teams coming into the tournament circled it on the schedule. Quarterfinals, destiny, big-time matchup, playing at the top of the world. Not necessarily ranked that way. As we know that Germany was coming in number two, France actually entered the tournament number four. But as far as play goes, a lot of people would tell you that U.S. and France pretty much won two from the consensus of the experts. So, Trent, highly anticipated matchup, and I think we got a good one. U.S. advancing two to one. But an interesting match that I thought, Trent, kind of a different stylistic take that we saw from the U.S. as far as formation and mindset and attacking. Not necessarily conservative, but they started in their 4-3-3. But throughout the match, and especially after getting a goal, we saw a little 4-5-1, and we saw a little, even at points, a 5-4-1. I was wondering during the broadcast, like, what is going on? Why are they sitting on it? But they said it was part of the scouting report and that Coach Ellis wanted to put France on the offensive, something that she said that she did not think that they were very comfortable in. They did not necessarily want to dominate a lot of possession. So the U.S., kind of uncharacteristically so, Trent, concedes a lot of the possession. And we saw, for the most part, it worked. There were some late surges for France. Obviously, when you get up 2 nothing, that's going to help. But the flexibility that they have in this roster to go more defensive and to attack you in different ways. Do you think of the U.S.? Do you think of the front line? Rapino, Morgan, Heath, Barry and goals. And so far throughout this tournament, that has been exactly what's happened. Ten goals from that front line. Rapino has five. Morgan has five. But that wasn't really the story. They did get some goals in some key spots. Started early. But the defense in the midfield was the story. Talked about it last time. Crystal Dunn. Massive game. I feel like she didn't get the shout-out she deserved from the public after the U.S.'s knockout stage game in the round of 16, but definitely got some love here in the corner finals. Some high regards done, killed it again. Defensively, O'Hara very active in the box. And we finally got to see a little test from Naher. Trent, what we were kind of itching for, what we just didn't know. So we were able to see a little bit of that. I thought some good, some bad, kind of a mixed bag from her, to be honest. There were some good saves that she had for some quality French attacking. But you could also see some hesitations on some set pieces. Do I come out? Do I stay in my box? And you can argue either way. The Renard goal was one that stuck out to me. Could she have come out and punched that one away? That one would have been close. 
but there was a free kick probably about eight, nine, ten minutes after the Rapino goal, probably right around that 70, 75th minute territory. There was another free kick very similar to the one that Renard got the goal on, one that Neher should have come out and was actually lucky that the U.S. didn't get punished on that one. If that one goes in and then the Renard goal comes in, that's a 2-2 game going down the stretch, Trent. France turn up the chaos a little bit and have some attempts, of course, with a good front line. Galvin, Lesamere, who I'm sure you'll look to talk about. Yeah, uh, listen there, that definitely, she, she, at times she came up really big, but other times, like in the 57th minute, there was a big looming cross that came over her head and it dropped almost on the far post where she wasn't able to go and get that ball and it was up in the air for a minute. She fell down diving for it and, and missed it and Lisa Mayer was able to corral it and there were two U.S. defenders in front of her and then she just puts it in the side net and tried to just try to beat them near post. I don't know what she was thinking, but if she just takes another half second, kind of pushes the ball wide with the outside side of her foot. I mean, that's a goal, and then it's 1-1. France, Mayer stumbled at times. Like you said, she could have came out for that Renard goal because Renard, she just has to get any sort of contact on that. The only way that Mayer's going to stop that is if it comes right at her. So she's got to come out and at least make an attempt to disrupt the shot. And I mean, if you miss the ball and hit her, the worst that could happen is they give up a penalty kick. you got to at least go out there and try to go get that. We saw there was that big 85th-minute handball from Kelly O'Hara that wasn't called and that could have been a, a penalty kick there as well. Uh, but uh, it's funny how the attacker drew her hands down and, and didn't even play the ball when it was sitting right there in front of her feet with only just a few minutes left in the game. But Pino had an amazing free kick right there in, in the fifth minute. I, initially, I think we both thought it was redirected, but it was really cool just seeing the replay and how it even nagged one of the center backs for France. just goes right through her legs, and the keeper couldn't even get a touch to it. But talk about how... France could have had another goal, but at the same time, Alex Morgan played a really good ball down the line that got crossed back in in the 75th minute, I believe, and that could have put the USA up 3-0. It was a game that went back and forth. France had 60% possession as opposed to the U.S.'s 40. Some really good football being played by them, but just not enough. They weren't able to capitalize, unfortunately. A couple good points there. Rapino just feeling it right now, and you can tell just from the way she's attacking, the way she's taking the free kicks early in the fifth minute for the U.S. to keep that streak alive of their early goals, and then another one in open play in the 65th minute. But she is feeling it right now and actually has herself in a good goal-scoring position, which we can get to in a little bit. But to go back to your point, the handball Renard had just put in the 81st-minute header not too long ago. And so France was definitely on the gas going forward. The U.S. had dropped into the 5-4-1 look that we had talked about, really making France try to break the U.S. defense down, which they had pretty tough time in stretches doing. But Nadri was able to get an advancing ball and had a one-on-one with Kelly O'Hara. She was trying to put a centering ball in the box, ended up hitting O'Hara's arm, like you said. No handball call. Definitely a legitimate case to be made for France to have a penalty kick there. But the only thing was Madrid just bails from the play, Trent, throws her hands up and is walking to the referee, but no whistle has been blown. It's live play. It dropped right at her feet, and she just totally took herself out of the play, which is pretty embarrassing, to be honest. And definitely could have had a chance at that play. Obviously, a case for the handball should it have been called, yes. But just to completely bail from the play, it's not like it was out of bounds and there was nothing she could do for it. It was right there. She could have had the second attempt and kept on playing through and maybe been able to put another ball into the box in a dangerous area. And if we go to 2-2, going into the 90th minute into stoppage time, 
Maybe France continues to press. Maybe the French can get some more gaps, or as this one goes to extra time, all the rules are out the window. But Trent, very confusing for me. As somebody who had a tough match, great player in Madry. Terrific tournament, but it's a lot of errant passes and seemed like she, the French team was obviously under a lot of pressure. The crowd was great for them, by the way. Definitely the most adverse atmosphere. I'm trying to think of a U.S. match that they were in more of a hostile environment, Trent, and I honestly cannot think of one. <laughs> Even going back, qualifying, the U.S. travels really well. Big international games. A lot of them are held on U.S. soil, and they have a great backing. A lot of the other countries don't have the following or the support that the U.S. does. Even going back to the last World Cup in Brazil, the U.S. never played Brazil. Brazil was eliminated by Australia in the round of 16. So at least in the recent memory, Trent, of the last seven, eight years, this is by far the most adverse environment the U.S. had played into it, but handled it well. It was pretty tight early, to be honest. I think the early goal was huge for the U.S. to kind of get that out of the way and put some more pressure on France. They seemed kind of tight throughout. Really couldn't break down the U.S., like we said. Some good moments from France. Was confused on one of the substitutions. Galvin, one of the strikers. Big aerial threat for France. Good on set plays. They took her out of the match, leaving the 76th minute. So at that time, it was still 2 nothing For me, especially with all the free kicks and the corner kicks, they had been awarded, especially in the second half, after that second Rapino goal. But an interesting substitution there. It worked out. Of course, Renard, who is very well known through the qualifying process and the build-up to the World Cup on set plays, just an absolute beast. You get a leg of a defender who comes up, gets in, hammers down some set plays. She is 6-1, which gives her a little bit of an advantage in the women's game. But dominant player in the air is Wendy Renard. Only 28 so we'll almost definitely be around for the next World Cup cycle for France. But big 2-1 victory for the U.S. Obviously, once again, we talked about it with Spain, their toughest opponent. France, definitely their toughest opponent to this stage. Trent, I know you want to talk about it. Two more for Rapino. So Rapino has scored all four of the U.S. goals in their last two games, Trent. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about this gold boot race, man. This thing is heating up. We thought after the first match day, after all 24 teams got their go, it looked like a runaway. The deal was sealed, it seemed like, but things are getting a little more interest. We come down the stretch, around the corner. Semifinals, finals will be huge in deciding this gold boot race. Tell me a little bit about this action. Yes, there are four players that are tied at the uh, top of the golden boot race. Alex Morgan from the USA, like you said, on the first match day, we thought it was all but over with, but has yet to score in any matches since then, and Rapino just picking up the pace, producing at an alarming rate, and not that anyone doubted her, but not always known for her goal-scoring prowess, more of a player to, to set up others before herself even at times and so it's just really cool seeing her taking advantage of the opportunity that's in front of her and that free kick was world class i really thought someone had tapped it in past the keeper but to just let it go and and to go untouched i mean that's just brilliant stuff right there so helping usa get over their humps right now they're not like you said not always playing as, as the best but pretty cool just to see two players on the same team compete yeah so there's four players that are tied for the goalie sam kerr is sitting at five goals but, of course, she plays for Australia. Australia's eliminated, as we said. And then Ellen White coming on strong 
for England, also sitting at five goals. No assist for the 30-year-old Lioness. So essentially, it's actually a three-horse race because Morgan, Rapino, and White will have two more games. It'll either be the championship or the third-place match that they will both go into. So regardless of the outcome, these three players each two more games. Like we said, Alex Morgan has not scored since she got her fifth of that Thailand game, Trent. Grappino coming on strong. Both the Americans have three assists to add to their five-goal scores. Of course, White has no assist, so she is actually trailing in the tiebreaker. So right now it's Morgan Rapino. The third tiebreaker, Trent, is actually minutes played. Currently, Morgan, due to the limited action in the groups, the Chile game, and of course... Suffering the injury in the Sweden game, Rapino has 39 more minutes of action. So Morgan actually leads on the third tiebreaker. If we need to, the fourth tiebreaker will be matches played. The fifth tiebreaker is penalties scored. Both played in four matches, and Rapino has the two penalties scored as a tiebreaker, the fourth tiebreaker. So we shall see what we get going down the stretch. But yeah, an interesting race. I think a lot will be decided in England-U.S. game as they will go head-to-head, but the golden boot still up for the take. So, Trent, we talked about the U.S. and England. Let's go over what is the next favorite game that we had here. We got to go with that upset special, man. So this is the second game I called wrong. Did not anticipate Germany losing. They had conceded zero goals throughout the entire tournament thus far. And uh, they were just bested. They came out swinging real hot. And I think it was the 16th minute. Yeah, Lena McGill ended up scoring a really great ball from an assist from DeBritz to Little Chip in through uh, the defense and had a really great turn on it. Excellent finish there. And so Germany got off to the hot start there, and I thought they were poised to keep going. And much to my dismay, Sweden came back and really got some cool goals there. The first one was a little drop back in in the 22nd minute. Uh, Jakobsen ended up receiving the ball uh, from the defensive third. They just booted it all the way over, and Jakobsen composes herself and, and then puts the shot perfectly in the in the back corner. And Sweden ties it up right there in the 22nd minute, just six minutes after they gave up their first goal. They got their second one. This is the 47th minute. Black Stinius and Jakobsen working some magic there in the box, and a cross came in from Jakobsen, and the header across the face of the goal that the keeper had to redirect and then it was just blasted in by Blockstinius. Right out of the swing of the second half, Germany just couldn't keep up, and Sweden was still attacking very strongly late and had Germany's number. They were unrelenting and unforgiving, and shocking to see uh, Sweden, who was number ninth in the world, come in and knock them out to get to the semifinals. Yeah, to your point, upset special for sure. Germany coming in ranked number two in the world, Sweden number nine. As we had discussed previously, the first time Germany had conceded at the Women's World Cup. It took them 394 minutes to let their first goal go in over six and a half hours of gameplay. And for the first time since 2011, Sweden will be going back to the semifinals as they play the Netherlands, of course, on Wednesday. But going back and just recapping the goals, Magul did just a nasty finish. That was a beautiful ball because it looks to the naked eye, kind of looks like she made it dramatic, but she had to turn her body, Trent, and with the goalkeeper, her back to goal, didn't know how much space she had, so she had to pop it up, go volley. Gorgeous finish. The play 
is to go to ground there. So that was technically sound and just gorgeous execution. So that was huge for Germany, getting the 1-0 lead. And then going through this one, I'm like, man, same old narrative. Germany gets on the board and looks like they'll lock this one down. Maybe add a goal or two. You know, they had a couple of 3 nothing victories able to string together. But I think it was huge for Sweden to answer in the, not only the first half, but within 10 minutes, just over five minutes later, of course, Jakobsen had that one to put it in, even it up, got to halftime at 1-1. I thought that was huge for Sweden. Blackstenius taking out the trash there on that second goal, Trent. But that first goal was just an absolute dime. The one-touch pass <laughs> from the left back to throw it over top of the entire German defense. Like you said, foot race for Jakobsen, able to put it in, clinical. That was one thing. We got to see a little class from Sweden. Bodies inside the box and just some individual battles being won by the Swedes. So saw a little bit of a different flavor that we hadn't seen. They were able to knock off Thailand and Chile. Take that as you may. Both of those teams ranked 30-plus in the FIFA rankings. So there was no surprise mm -hmm. there. They looked pretty uninspired in the U.S. game. Of course, they had clinched an advancing one, so resting some players. Definitely physical, which we knew the Swedes would be. Didn't see a lot from them. Further into the mix, the first knockout stage round, able to squeak by. Great defensive match for them. Able to get through Canada 1-0. But we knew they'd have to show something different to their rival. Germany able to get the two goals, and then they could do what they do best down the stretch. Last 45 minutes, including stoppage time, you know, about 50. To wrap up the game, they locked it down and controlled play. But they went head-to-head -head with Germany. This wasn't a scenario where they parked the bus. They were going forward. They were getting shot attempts. But impressive performance, I think, for Sweden. Good to see them kind of evolve into the tournament the last five. Five times they had split with Germany, 3-2 by way of Sweden, at least World Cup-wise, and they are marching on. Yeah, it's hard to say that with the form that they just displayed in this past match, that they aren't favored to beat the Netherlands. Sweden just did not let off the gas pedal. I love you said how they you know, were still attacking late. They did not park the bus. Germany had a few chances, a couple of headers, but yeah, no, just excellent, excellent football from Sweden, and, and yeah, I mean... I definitely think that if they can play anything like they did against Germany, then they definitely should mount just fine and make it to the finals. Yep. Here as a sidebar, with Sweden able to advance, and this is a big thing that was noted not only in the match, but was also discussed by Coach Peter for Sweden, um, <laughs> or Coach, Coach G for Sweden, was saying that now... As they advance to the semifinals, the, of course, the top four teams in the Women's World Cup automatically qualify for the Olympics. So this will be another oh, big, wow. yeah. big stage, especially with we saw the class that is in UEFA, Trent, of the final eight teams. Seven of them were from the UEFA region. This was huge for them. They have now qualified for another major tournament in the women's game. You know, those are the big two. Obviously, World Cup is top dog. But the Olympics is a close second, but this would be a nice competition for them. So Sweden, once again, will be in the picture. Trent, and of course, they will be playing the Netherlands, which we can go down to. We hinted about them. Able to get past Italy 2-0. Impressive. On the set pieces was the Orange Army, Trent. Still flying <laughs> high after the Euro win. 
in major competitions, getting it done, able to knock off a fellow European team in Italy who we wondered if they could put the goals together. We knew the Netherlands was going to have the pace and they were going to put a couple on the board. It's just a matter if Italy could keep up. They could not, Trent, so I don't think it was a surprise to most. What was surprising to me is how long it took Italy put up a fight, Trent. It took them 70 minutes to get one in. We went super deep. And I was starting to think that maybe I had misdiagnosed this one. I'm waiting for the Netherlands to go forward and break the seal, and Italy just keeps standing strong. Surprised at how we got there, though? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there were so many things that the Netherlands were so close to capitalizing on. Like in the 59th minute, they had that shot that hit off the crossbar. And then the 63rd minute, that awesome free kick from like 30, 30 plus. That just goes wide. Oh, yeah, that was so close. That was beautiful, man. Gosh, that was like the best strike I've seen the whole tournament. So shame that didn't go in. But then, you know, just a few minutes later, 70th minute, like you said, they finally get one. But yeah, I know, kind of shocking because we knew that the Netherlands could come out and score. And it was just kind of crazy that Italy was hanging with them without any goals. But yeah, that's really unfortunate for Italy to not be able to capitalize because, I mean, it just took the Netherlands those two set pieces, and, and they finally just got it right. And, man, just some really good stuff. They definitely had a lot of size on those Italy defenders, but Van de Graat was a really great goal there at the end, and they almost got a third one even. But for Italy, they gave all they could. Not quite enough, unfortunately, to beat the Dutch, but I think we both predicted that one, didn't we? Yeah, and Italy's chances came in the first half. They had that really awkward sequence in the 36-minute where they were trying to play the ball off the top, and did you see it hit off the Dutch defender's head? And it, yeah. it fell backwards into the field of play, and they actually had a run at goal there for Italy. That was probably one of their best chances at goal. And then, of course, talking to the Netherlands, talked about that 58th minute, that bounce-back hurler that hits the crossbar um, mm-hmm. that could have dropped, then as well as the rebound, which just precursed that nasty free kick you were talking about, which was indirect, by the way. It took a little touch to put that one back in play. And then in the 70th minute, beautiful goal that was kind of similar to the French goal on the U.S. Wide, deep ball. French had a little closer than the Netherlands did. The Netherlands one started on the fringe of the attacking third. But a beautiful finish by Miedma. And she had a great game, so deserved the goal for sure for the Dutch. She was out there getting it. An offensive showcase from the Dutch who had almost four times as many attempts on goal than Italy did 21 to 6. The attempts on goal, Dutch dominating possession, 59% of the possession, like we talked about. Strong showing from the Netherlands, but definitely going to have their work cut out for them whenever they face the Swedes. It's going to be so exciting to watch these semifinals these next two days. are going to be so great. For sure. So let's use that as a segue. Netherlands been catching some steam here in the knockout stages, able to put in some goals in the back of the net. Sweden. Defensively, we've seen come through the tournament, but then, like we said, offense started to heat up. We saw it showcased against Germany. So this is kind of a more, I don't want to say finesse, but a more aesthetic game from the Netherlands. Tactical offensive game versus solid, direct, over-the-top, long ball playing, which led to some success versus Germany, as we saw. But definitely a clash of styles, offense versus defense, finesse versus power game. Between Netherlands and Sweden, Trent, good goalkeeping. I love the Sweden goalkeeper. Lindahl has been crushing it, I think, so far in this tournament. The only time she was really exposed was with the U.S. 
in that 2-0 game. But outside of that, I think she's done very well for herself. One of the highest regarded goalkeepers coming into the tournament so far, living up to that. We did see some big saves throughout the last couple of games, and I know I'm going to mess this up, but Venendal, I believe, is how it's pronounced. V-E-N-E-N-D-A-A-L. you got to love those Dutch names, Trent. But um, what are some takes, or what are we thinking about this one? I think that either Blockstinius or Jakobsen are certainly going to score in, in this upcoming match. And I think that they have to if they want to have a shot at winning this. So I think it's going to end up being a 2-1 Swedes victory over the Dutch. I really love how Sweden's been playing lately. Really kind of filibustering anything that these offenses have going. So we saw Canada get shut down. Germany really bottled up after the first third of the game. In their matchup, USA really only wants to break through. Man, I'm loving their form. I think the Netherlands has a little more variety than both of those two previous knockout stage teams. Like we talked about. Like we talked about the finesse, so stylistically, they may have a better look. You kind of talked about it. Germany being kind of a one-trick pony, direct team, strength versus strength almost, versus Sweden. Mm-hmm. Netherlands will play more of a free-flowing game. They don't really put on a lot of goals. They came through an okay group. Yeah, I'm going to go the other side, though. Give me give me something to switch up about. I will keep the same scoreline, Trent, but I will go with the different victor. Give me 2-1 Netherlands. Okay. Um, okay. Good seen, stuff. Seen a lot of games with that two-one score line, so I'll probably end up yeah, using that at least one more time. One to go with. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go to the other side now. Of course, the other semifinal, the U.S. and England old foes meeting here. England rolling in hot. Trent, you know we talked about how they've been surging with those white uniforms lately. Eight O aggregate. <laughs> the last three times they've broken out the white kits. So Trent, maybe interesting to see. U.S. played well in the red kits. Of course, we saw the onslaught that they put on in group stages when they donned their red ones. But, man, what are we thinking about this one? What's going through your head? So you want me to start it off now? You okay. can go, man. I'll take it. If you took last one, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll go with it. I'm yeah, giving right. you a hard time. This is going to be really, really interesting. And I know I just said this about France and USA. And that, I, I still think that lived up. To most of the hype, I mean, you know, I would have liked to see a couple more goals, a goal or two more, especially from France, obviously. But, no, that that was still a pretty good match, I thought. And so I think that this will fare just as well. I think that England, honestly, may have the better form, especially coming off, you know, these last couple of, of wins, I think, against Norway and Cameroon, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they have just really looked really strong and I think that uh, England's going to give USA a run for their money. They'll be the one that can edge them out. Because if not them, if it's not, if it's not England, I don't think Sweden or the, the Netherlands can do it. So I got to go with England here. What kind of score are we talking? 3-2. Three, 3-2. Two. Three, two. Ooh, a little five-ski throwing down for the prediction. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, this will be You get a goal. You get a goal. No, you get a goal. <laughs> this will be interesting because I like both of these attacks. Something I was hoping Spain could get into. But I also look historically, the last time these two teams played, only once meeting before in the World Cup, USA took that one 3-0. I kind of want to go a similar route. Also interesting subplot, they will be playing in Lyon's home stadium, Trent. And two years ago, Alex Morgan was on that Leon club team so she is what I've been told is glad to be back and familiar with the stadium 
I like to say that she scores, not only scores, but outscores Rapino in this game to take back the advantage from both Ellen White and Rapino. So give me Morgan with at least one goal here. I think the USA takes it. I'm going to say four goals scored in this one, Trent, but I'm going to go. I think U.S. continues to grow into this tournament. I think there'll be some good resistance. This will be a close game, but I think late you, you, U.S. Penalties. U.S. may get a backbreaker or two. I'm going to go 3-1 U.S.A. Oh. Look out, Flair. You sure you don't want to go 2-2 two, two penalties? Keep your four goals? Dude, I do like the penalties. I may have to save that one for the final. Yeah, no, we're we're going to see how good of a defender she is. <laughs> Lucy Bronze. So that's going to be exciting. If she's supposed to be as good as she is, I think they're going to stick her on Rapino, and, and that's just going to be uh, – and that's why I think that it's going to be, you know, the most exciting game of the tournament. So I think that Rapino is going to get by her a couple times, but at the same time, England can, can keep up with really anyone in the world, and I think they're going to show it. So, yeah, man, Paris and, and the rest of the attack up front. Ellen, they're a good bunch, so I think they've got some really good chemistry, and I think they're going to get, get some more goals than, than the USA, but we'll see. Tuesday at 3 p.m., U.S. and England going to start off the semifinals for us, but that right side of the defense, to your point, Trent, Lucy Bronze and Houghton, probably the two best defenders for England. Houghton, the center back, Bronze, the outside right. Think of it schematically and what that will look like for them, Trent. They will, of course, be going against the right side of the offensive attack. So that would put Morgan and Rapina would be to that right side. So that will be an interesting one to watch. Of course, 10 goals between the two of them going against the defensive back. Uh, both these teams previously running 4-3-3s in their matchup. So that'll be a good one to watch going forward. But on the other side, you have your two best defenders for the right side of the U.S. formation going against the left defenders. You have Tobin Heath kind of running around there causing trouble all tournament. So it'll be interesting to see what they have there. So schematically getting matched up. Interesting. And how about this, Trent? Another matchup to watch. Talk about offense-defense. We kind of ragged on her a little bit for missing the penalty. Paris, you remember her, uh, of course, the English player, Nikita Paris, having a great tournament. She's going to be on the right side of the formation for the English. And so she's going to be matched up with Crystal Dunn, who's having an epic tournament, the young defenseman for the dun, United dun, States. Dun. So that will be fun over on the left side of the U.S. field and then over on the right side defensively for the British defense. So those two corners will be very fun to watch in this matchup, Trent. I think in a highly talented, highly contested match like this, those are kind of some key areas. Do your big players live up to it? And how do they match up against the big key players in the biggest moment against the other team? I really going to be looking forward to that, especially the Paris-Dunn matchup, because that'll kind of be more of a one-on-one -on -one as Paris is kind of free-floating, but Dunn will take on a lot of one-on-one -on -one scenarios. A true test and see how Dunn continues to progress through this tournament. The other side, how the, quote, best player in the world according to Coach Neville Bronze, lives up to the billing. So this has been our wrap-up of the FIFA Women's World Cup semifinals going on in just a moment. First half, U.S.-England. Second half on Wednesday, Netherlands. Sweden going into the weeds. Podcast, a Goods for Sporting podcast production. Andrew Trent Young. Catch you next time for some more sporting commentary.